Welcome to the Civil Engineering Podcast, the podcast focused on helping civil engineering professionals succeed by exposing them to interesting civil engineering projects and successful civil engineering professionals around the world. Hosts Anthony Fasano and Christian Knudsen had successful but unconventional civil engineering careers and now focus on helping civil engineering professionals achieve their goals in work and life. Welcome to the Civil Engineering Podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Fasano, and this is the podcast specifically for civil engineers who want to succeed. In today's episode, I got to talk with Jason Maliki. Jason is the owner of Rattleback, a company that provides consulting services, professional services firms to help them build a more repeatable approach to client acquisition through digital marketing. Essentially, Jason's company helps professional services firms do better marketing, and hopefully he can help you do that. And I got to tell you, it was a very, very interesting conversation with Jason that you're about to hear. What he talked about a lot, which was interesting to me, was he made the case that civil engineering firms can build their business a lot quicker through Google than any other avenue. And I'm sure many civil engineers sitting listening to this haven't even thought about that. You're doing all the traditional things. You're going out, you're trying to speak, you're trying to network. And he's going to try to show you in this episode how you can build more business, get more clients using Google. Now, before we get into the civil engineering conversation of the week, I want to take a moment to recognize our sponsor for today's episode, PPI. If you are thinking about taking the civil FE or PE exam, I recommend that you check out PPI, the leader in civil engineering exam prep. PPI is offering a special 20% discount to listeners of this podcast. Use promo code CIVIL at ppi2pass.com. Again, that's PPI, the number two, pass.com, and use the promo code CIVIL for a 20% discount. All right, now I'd like to introduce our guest for today's civil engineering conversation so you get to know him a little bit more before we dive into the conversation. Jason Maliki spends most of his time looking for better ways to market engineering and consulting firms. He talks to a lot of marketers and leaders and asks a lot of questions, and he pulls out insights that he can use to help his clients and his team get better. He received his MBA from The Ohio State University, and his undergraduate degree is in mathematics. Much of what he learned in college, he used to develop the strategy models that govern their work. His most important job is connecting Rattleback with clients who have a burning desire to approach their marketing in new, more effective ways. After that, he works to ensure that they have the right people and knowledge to make it happen. And a few times a year, he speaks at industry events to share what they've learned along the way. Jason was a featured speaker at KA Connect 2014 in San Francisco, and over the years, he's spoken for many organizations, including his own event, Profiting from Thought Leadership. Now it's time to jump into today's civil engineering conversation, and there was some technical stuff we talked about, so I'll give you the link later on for the show notes. But really, this is a different way to think about marketing your civil engineering firm. Civil Engineering Podcast. Civil Engineering Podcast. All right, now it's time for our civil engineering conversation, and I have here with me today Jason Maliki from Rattleback. Jason, welcome to the Civil Engineering Podcast. Thanks, Anthony. Glad to be here. So Jason has a great website and blog that I've been reading quite a bit about. It's very much focused on helping the professional services firms market 
do marketing. I mean, that's something that we talk a lot about here on the Civil Engineering Podcast because it's not something that you're going to learn in Engineering 101, that's for sure. I invited Jason on so we could dig in and talk a little bit about online client attraction. As an engineer, at some point, you're going to have to learn about building your business. Some of you are executives, some of you are business development managers. So we're going to get into a lot of strategy here. Jason, before we dive in here, tell us a little bit about your background and what led you to get involved with services firms. We've been in business as an agency for over 40 years. I've been in the agency world for 20 some years. And when I was in business school, I just, I studied professional services marketing for whatever reason. I just really enjoyed that course. Sort of had a mentor in the MBA program and really enjoyed sort of this, this whole idea of how do you market this intangible thing, something that really is entirely intangible. And then when I first entered the agency world, just for whatever reason, the first few clients that I managed to win in a business development capacity was a commercial construction company and a management consulting firm. And so like right out of the gate, it was sort of like I was working in that space. And so over time, we just sort of morphed into a specialist agency that, that really works almost exclusively with professional services firms. And we're going to link to Jason's website, rattleback.com, in the show notes for this show because it's got amazing information, a great blog, some excellent articles. Uh, in fact, I just read your article this morning, Jason, Creating Bridges from Thought Leadership into Your Practice. And it was great. Jason gives such actionable advice in his articles, in the content that I think all civil engineers need to keep an eye on his blog. So we'll link up to that for sure. Jason, we're going to talk about the fundamentals of online client attraction. We're going to try to frame it out in about five or so topics here. And the first one we're going to talk about is understanding the client buying process. So talk to us about that. I think that firms in general are pretty good at creating revenue. So they know how to go out into the marketplace, build relationships, network, build conversations, turn those conversations and relationships into projects and project revenue. And they're pretty good at that. What they're not really very good at is building markets. So the idea of I've got an engineering practice and we work with, we, we do wastewater engineering and we work in this defined region, a firm can get their head around that. But the moment someone says, well, we want to go do program management in healthcare, they don't really know how to do that. And the reason they don't know how to do that, you know, one of my good friends is a guy by the name of Jeff McKay, and he was a senior marketer at Arthur Anderson. And one of the things that he said, he said this five years ago at an event when I met him, and I loved it. He goes, you know, look, he goes, most professional services firms know why clients hire them, but they have no idea how they hire them. And I think that's true to this day. And so if we talk about the buying process, what we have to acknowledge is that most of what we think of as marketing or a lot of firms think of as marketing only applies like towards the tail end of, of a client's buying process. There's this whole like window. It's a huge window at the front of a buying process that is all about a problem. You know, so this client has a problem and it's a big one and they're trying to find answers to the problem. So they're looking for answers to the problem and most firms don't provide anything by way of helping them solve those problems, right? So because firms are all focused on talking about themselves. This is the work we've done. This is how we did it. This was the outcomes. This is who led the work. And everything that they think of as marketing starts at that point, which is probably step three or four in a client's journey towards hiring a firm. Yeah. So what you're saying is, is that the marketing comes in once prospective client has identified a problem and they're looking for solutions. So then your marketing is going to be there to try to lead them to you. Whereas if you were to think about it from their beginning, 
which is where they come up with the problem, your marketing could be much more effective. Exactly. And that's where firms sort of lack muscle. They have no muscle on building markets. And that's what I mean by building markets is if you're going to build a market, then you're going to basically have an ability to categorically understand systemic client problems, categorize them, and turn it into high-quality thought leadership that essentially maps your solutions to those problems. And it's all about your client. It's not about you. If you unravel, you know, I bet 90% of engineering firms in terms of how they market, it's all about them. You know, it's all about them, what they do, their projects, their work. And that moment in time when a client is actually trying to start to evaluate firms is well into this beyond the solutions phase, right? They're, they've already kind of started to impose in their mind, here's some ways we're going to solve this problem. Now let's go find some firms that can do it. Well, if you're going to build a market, you need to be at the very beginning of the process. You need to be in there when the client is trying to understand the problem and sort of self-identify what they think are the potential solutions. And that's all thought leadership. Before you go further, explain to me a little bit more about what you mean when you say build a market. Are you saying like a category or a niche that you're going to be at the top of? or What you see a lot of firms, when they think of, of growing their business, the assumption is they have to go hire another rainmaker. They have to go open up a geographic office, right? So we have to go physically open an office in, you know, Tacoma, if we're going to go do business in Tacoma. And there may be some, ultimately some legal truth to that, right? Like I know, I mean, we're in Columbus, Ohio, and in the city of Columbus, if you want to do business with the city of Columbus for water or wastewater projects, you need to have an office situated in Columbus to do that. But to start, you know, if you're doing working with any private clients, you need to have the ability to really dive into an industry vertical and really understand the needs and present solutions to the problems that that client set faces. You know, that's about building awareness. It's about building recognition. And that's just a skill that most firms really have never tried to do, right? They've never tried to systemically say, well, okay, how do we actually get ourselves to be known for X? I see what you're saying. So you're basically like, if someone has a problem, ideally, you want them to just say, oh, we got to hire these guys. This is what they do is they help people with this problem. They help us get to where we want to go, as opposed to someone starting to say, well, you know, let's try to find someone a solution. And then they start looking around and then you're hoping that whatever marketing you're putting out there is going to grab some of these people. It's absolutely true. And the one thing we know, like, for instance, we talk about this is a little granular. If you think about the fundamental construct of how a firm describes its services and what it does, go to your website right now. So if you're a listener to this podcast, go to your website right now, click on a service page, find a problem statement on that page. I'm willing to bet there's not one there because all they talk about is this is our solution. This is what we do. We provide engineering of X, Y, Z. They're sort of systemically not looking at, well, the, from the client's point of view, well, what's the problem that that solution is designed to solve? And that's really what marketing or should be about, right? Marketing is about fundamental understanding of client needs and then mapping solutions to them. And that's like the whole section of the buying process that's essentially it's not necessarily part of business development. The client doesn't necessarily want to have a conversation with the principal or the business development person about those problems. They want to kind of explore and search those on their own. And that's where the, your marketing fits in. Absolutely. And I'll just say here real quick, 
Jim Rogers, who I work with at the Cellar Doer Academy for Civil Engineers, referred me to Jason. And the reason I bring up Jim right now is because we had Jim on the podcast quite a while ago talking about proposals. And one of the things that he talked about or one of the activities that he does with civil firms with their proposals is he has them circle in the proposals or in the cover letters how many times it says I or me as opposed to you with the idea of it should be saying mostly you and not I or me. And some of the examples he gave were like, people will have a five to one ratio of, of me to you because it's so focused on the firm and what they're trying to give to someone without really understanding what they're coming to, what they need. Like you said, it's a marketing fundamental. For some reason, a lot of firms overlook. And I think part of it is like, you know, you're so excited about your expertise and what you can offer that you want to get it out there. But what you have to always remember is that people are buying what they need. They're not necessarily buying what you have unless you have what they need. And that's like disconnect (laughs) that happens. Well, if you think about classic marketing and sales as it's intended to be structured, marketing is supposed to uncover unmet need and design products and services to meet that need. And sales is supposed to basically fulfill the need. And unfortunately, in this industry, like generally the definition of marketing, the marketing, the way it's perceived is really more of a sales support function. It's more supporting the the proposal development process. And that's fine. That's absolutely needed. That is a critical resource. But I think what I'm trying to articulate is to say, look, guys, there's this whole other side of the practice that you have not even explored. And that's really where, how you're going to get found online ultimately in the day or get found at all. So if a client has a problem and they don't know who you are, your marketing should be able to close the loop and connect you to them. So that was basically a pretty much, I would say, like a general marketing strategy, or that's what people should do in general marketing. Now, moving to the online process, which is what you focus on with people's helping them online. We talked about this first step being understanding the client buying process. How do you do that, Jason? Is it just from research? Is it from calling people and asking them about their buying processes? Because like you said, most people start with their marketing later in the process. How would you be able to start earlier on? How would you get to understand it better? The first thing you have to do is you just have to learn how to be a a better listener. You know, I was talking to one of our clients just the other day, and he was in a joint venture with a really large firm. Like, I mean, this is a small regional firm, and he's in a joint venture with one of the global firms. And they were in a meeting with the client, and he said he was just shocked at how, at the level of the lack of client relationship skills in the, the project leadership team from the global firm. He's like, the client was articulating what they needed and they were not listening to anything that the client was saying. And so if you start with that, like if you're a senior partner or you're an aspiring senior partner in the practice, you should be able to put your thumb on really what is the the overarching needs that our clients have over and over again. And if you can't do that, then you're probably not going to be senior partner caliber, right? So like that's probably the first thing. The second thing is, is like you said, is just to physically ask in our agency just being a marketing agency for professional services firms, early on in our, in our life cycle, we literally just picked up the phone and called random people that I didn't even know who they were. I just found them online and just called them up and just said, hey, you know what, bluntly asked them, like, what are the things that you're most struggling with that you just don't have the ability to solve or don't have the answers on how to solve? I think it doesn't, it certainly doesn't hurt to do some of that. I think that a lot of times when we service our clients as engineers, you're servicing someone and you want to service them, do your best you can and move on to the next project, the next phone call, the next email. But you're maybe missing some really interesting information. If you just ask one more like open-ended question in a meeting or you ask, did you have any other ideas for trying to solve this problem? Or is there something that you've done in the past that you would like to see done here? Just something. You're building data. If you want to say it in the form that engineers like to hear, like we're building data that you can help to apply to your process. So that being said, 
Moving on to step two in this process, Jason, is mapping the stages of the buying process to your digital marketing efforts. I heard this a million times. In our modern marketing or our modern world, content is king. And we don't want to get in the weeds on that topic. But in utter simplicity, if you were to look at you know, most engineering firm websites, just as you map it back to what I just said, if there's X amount of content, if there's 100 pages on the site, they're all about the firm. They're all about the people in the firm. They're all about the services the firm provides. They're all about the work the firm has done. And if you're going to attract clients online, you need a whole body of content that is all about your clients and their problems. And so, and that's thought leadership. It's a blog, it's an article series, it's a webinar series, it's a podcast series like we're in right now. That could be longer form research and eBooks. Whatever model ends up making sense for you, it's content that ultimately is expressing your knowledge, expressing your unique point of view and your perspective on the markets that you serve. And it's mapping the problems that your clients face with the expertise and the solutions you have that you can solve those problems. Over time, it's a marathon. So if you're going to bring clients into the door through the web or, or really through any form of thought leadership driven marketing, that effort should dwarf the other things that you do. Like if you think about a web property, that should dwarf everything. And that 100 page site I just described, if you consistently apply problem specific thought leadership against it in three to four years, it ought to be 500 pages. And 400 of those pages are problem specific and 100 pages are about the firm. And then eventually it's, it's a thousand, you know, it's, it's a thousand to one. It should be the vast majority of what you're doing from a marketing perspective should be about client problems. I'll give an example here for the listener just to kind of frame it out a bit. Let's say you work for a civil engineering firm and your client is mostly like real estate developers. And one of the bigger issues that they'd have to deal with or problems to deal with is, is wetlands, which restrict their development area. If there's new guidelines that come out on wetlands, you could potentially publish an article or series that would be kind of along the lines of what you should know about the new wetland regulations as a real estate developer or something, as opposed to just writing about how good your company is at wetlands and we keep up with the latest regulations and we've worked on these big projects because you're then becoming this thought leader and the person saying, well, I'm going to their website to keep up to date with all the wetland stuff. It's going to help me with my projects because when it comes time for them to have to go and get a site that has wetlands on it, I mean, who do you think they're going to call? They're going to call you because you've been the source of this information for them. So I know it's hard to think that through for Jason and myself, who we kind of live in the content world. It's easy for us to sit here and talk back and forth with it. But for you, what you should just think about is whatever your client is going to be needing to be successful in their projects, and some of this is going to be in step one researching, you should be giving it to them through your online portfolio, whatever that is, at least giving them that information. I mean, obviously, the next step would be to hire you to help them actually get it done, but they need to see you as an expert in a way that you're giving them value, not just you're telling them you're an expert. It's show, not tell, right? You know, we've said this for a, a long time. So many firms fall into this trap of telling. We have all this deep categorical expertise, but they, they provide no evidence of that being true. So you can't state that and then not show it. So if you're going to state that you've got senior engineers that are experts in the, the wetland work that you just described, well, I'm not going to believe you unless you can demonstrate that by publishing original useful information that tells me that, yeah, you actually are an expert on that. We can go one step further and say there's three layers of that. That The first is you believe you have the expertise. The second is you 
provide evidence that that expertise is true by actually publishing something. And the third is that you are not actually an expert unless Google says you are. At the end of the day, if I Google search for answers to problems, whoever comes up with those answers is going to be the de facto expert going forward. And don't discount the importance of that in the grand scheme of, of sort of where the economy in general is going. Let's move forward and, and, and talk about that a little bit. So we're talking about developing this content and kind of confidence should be. Let's talk about developing the content that you need, Jason, on your website to get found. Like these are engineers. They're busy with stuff. They probably don't have a ton of time. They're not real content experts. How can they develop the content that they need to get found or get positioned as the thought leader? I think the first thing is that, you know, and we talk to firms about this all the time, is, is to mine the things you're already doing. So mine your client work, you know, look inside your client work and say, well, what is the stuff that I'm writing all day, every day that is valuable to the client I'm working with one-on-one -on -one that might be valuable to other people that I don't necessarily know? The second place to mine is the RFPs. You're going to submit these proposals, right? And you're producing a proposal and the questions that the client is asking you in the proposal is giving you the questions that other clients are asking themselves as well and you're writing it once in a proposal, why not write it once in an article and then point to it from a proposal or write it once in an article and repurpose it for the proposal, right? So there's content that engineers are writing every day that can be repurposed and edited and reused in different manners. That's sort of like kind of comment number one. Comment number two is just, I always tell people, if you want to get found online, if that matters to you and to a lot of firms, it does. I mean, I, you know, I hear increasingly a lot of senior partners saying, well, Google searched this phrase and we don't appear. And why is that? Well, the reason you don't appear is because you don't have anything to say about it on your site. You need to be talking about it consistently, right? So you need to produce a minimum of two to 3,000 words a month of topical content around whatever it is you want to get found on. So we talked about understanding the client buying process. We talked about mapping the stages of that process to your digital marketing efforts and kind of how to do that. Jason just talked a little bit about developing the content, which is essentially, it's everything you have. It's just a matter of speaking to people in the way that they want to hear it in order to solve their problems, like we talked about already. Again, we're not going to go into the details here and make you an expert SEO specialist, but there are some practical and actionable SEO advice that Jason can give you here. And a couple, I think he just started to get into it. But Jason, just for engineers, what are some practical things that they can do that, to try to make sure that that website comes up? Yeah, I mean, I think the first thing I, I always tell firms in general, you know, I tell marketers in firms and leaders of firms is that it's not magic, right? You know, so there's this belief that there's some kind of SEO magic that can be done, that's some technical wizardry that you can outsource to some agency or some SEO specialist who can come in and for a couple thousand dollars, they can come in and, and stuff some keywords into your website and you're going to get where you want to go. That may have worked 10 years ago, but that's not going to work in 2017 and beyond. That game is dead. So the first acknowledgement you have to recognize is that, well, if we want to get found for any directional topic, so if we're going to pick five or six big ideas, the concepts we want to get found for, if we start there, the first task is to produce a steady flow of useful content against that topic. And then the second step is just to make sure that Google understands what that topic, what that content is about. And that is actually not that difficult. Google wants new, fresh, useful content. It's a search engine. It makes its money by connecting people, looking for answers to questions with content that has those answers. 
the first place to start is say, okay, we're going to commit ourselves to producing, you know, useful content with on a regular basis. And the second thing is we're going to manage some of the fundamental aspects of that page. So there's elements of that page as a web page that we need to manage for Google to understand what it is. And I'll try to keep this without getting too technical, but there's, if you look at a web browser, there's three things on a page that are important. The first is what's called the page title, which is if you look in the browser window at the very top and that it, inside the browser, there's words up there, right? And usually you don't pay much attention to them, but they're up there. The second piece is that URL. So there's whatever page you're on. So if, you know, right now I'm on engineeringcareercoach.com slash about. So I'm on a page that's describing about the engineering career coach. That's the URL. That's the web address, the, the identifiable IP address and web address that the web uses to find the content, right? And the third piece is just the headline of the page. So whatever the article title is, what I tell our clients is those are three specific aspects of a page, of a web page that you need to manage. And you don't have to manage them technically. You don't have to be some SEO expert to do this, but you need to think about just every time you publish a piece of content, how might somebody find this if they didn't know it exists? And then you need to basically use words in those three components of your site that reflect that. And if you do that with consistency, you're going to be happy with the, the outcomes you get over time. Google will find you because all you're doing is you're, you're managing the three things that Google looks at to understand what a page is about. That's all you're doing. And you're using natural language. You're not trying to stuff it with keywords or, you know, use some technical wizardry. You're just thinking as a person, if I was a person and I was sitting in front of a Google search box and I was looking to find something and I didn't know it existed, how would I, what would I type? And you put it in those three aspects. I, that may, I hope that's not too technical. And it may be too technical for some people in the podcast because they don't know how to manage those aspects. But essentially you can go back to the marketing director and say, this is what we need to be able to do. Exactly. And I think that a lot of listeners kind of engineers that are going to get involved and probably write some articles and do some of this stuff. So it's a good thing for you to know. And yeah, and like Jason said, you know, go to your marketing team and tell them to listen to this podcast episode. And by the way, I know that some of this stuff is tricky if you're on the go, you're listening on your commute to kind of take it all in, but it's all going to be in the show notes, which are going to be at civilengineeringpodcast.com, episode number 53. So you can kind of review this and go through it. And one thing I'll say too is like be specific in the stuff you're writing. Like the example I gave before is not necessarily going to work if you just say like, here's what you need to know about the new wetlands regulations. You might have to say like the new wetlands regulations in whatever city or state you're in. Because again, you got to think of what people are going to be searching for. And so, you know, you got to use a little bit of common sense too when you think about how general you want the article to be versus how specific it can be. And if it's specific and you're writing consistently on it and doing some of the things Jason said, you are going to have uh, some success with that. So Jason, to round this out before we go into the, the CE Hot Seat segment, talk a little bit about understanding where the website traffic comes from. Because now that you're doing all this stuff, you're hopefully going to be getting traffic. And I'm assuming that now you want to start to understand that traffic. Yeah, I mean, the, the biggest thing that we've talked a lot about Google today, but the biggest thing I, I try to impress upon clients is like, if you stop and think about marketing a professional services practice today, Google is the closest thing that you have to mass market advertising. If you were a consumer product company and you were trying to advertise, then, then you'd go to the Super Bowl, right? Like if you were trying to get the biggest audience possible that could possibly care about your product or service, that's where you go. Well, for a professional services firm, where you go is Google because Google is going to deliver six times the volume of potential clients to your site, has the ability to deliver six times the volume of potential clients to your site over anything else you might do. So if you're going to go speak at events, 
that may be the most effective thing. Maybe a referral from a trusted client is the most effective way to get a new client, right? But if you think about the grand scheme of things, the volume of potential clients that that can deliver to you is tiny slice of what Google can deliver to you. <laughs> My point being that I kind of hinted at this before, Google has become the de facto standard for the answer to every question that exists. And so if I ask the question, who is the leading municipal wastewater engineer in New England, the answer that Google provides is going to be more valuable than the, the regional ENR list right now. Perception is becoming a reality. And so there's an increasing belief that if Google says that your firm knows something about this topic, that you do. We get almost all of our clients through the internet, through the web. They find us online from the things we write. And I have initial conversations with these folks, and they will repeatedly say things to me like this. Why well, Google this, this, and this. You guys came up all three times, so my assumption is that you're the expert on this topic. There's a direct relationship between Google delivering your firm as an answer to a question and the belief set that you're the expert. So you need to be cognizant of that. You need to recognize that if we don't understand how to be found, then we're potentially putting our entire reputation at risk. Yeah, absolutely. And I do think it is important to understand going forward where your traffic's coming from too, because you're putting some time and effort into doing the stuff that Jason just talked about. I think you want to measure and you want to ensure that you're getting traffic that's going to lead to potential business. Listen, not all of it's going to lead to business. And there's definitely some goodwill that comes along with being seen as an expert from people that are going to land on your site, depending on where they're from. But at some point too, you, want, you do want to make sure that it's all going towards your goal, which is building your business. So there's analytics tools you can use like Google Analytics and things you can do to figure out where they're coming from. And you can ask questions like Jason just said, how did you find me? Right? Or how did you find the website? Or where did you see our articles? And you can kind of discover the best channels. And there's certainly, there's all kinds of technology that can support that. You know, if your firm gets really into this and you start investing in marketing automation, then you can start to make those connections to say, well, okay, this project opportunity we're working on, where did that person first originate? Where did they first interact with us? Was it online? Was it at a speaking event? Was it from our business development efforts? How did we actually get here? And you can start to kind of make the, do that analysis to understand really what is having the most impact. Right. And I think if you write your content the way that we talked about with understanding the buying process and the problems, then your website's going to work in different ways. It's certainly going to work through Google, like Jason said, but it's also going to work when you go to a lunch and you give someone a business card and they end up going to your website and they start seeing all this thought leadership on your website. And they go back and say, I met this guy at the lunch and I went to his website. They're doing really cool stuff. I think we should have a conversation with them. It's just a really important representation of who you are. And I think some engineering firms are getting that now. Like I think from what Jason's saying is that I still don't think everyone understands how much more business you could get online if you did all this stuff uh, and worked on it in this way. We're going to jump into the CE Hot Seat segment here because I want to pepper Jason with a couple more questions more on the personal development side. But I just want to summarize what we talked about here. We started off by talking about just general marketing strategy, understanding the problems of the people that you want to help before you get into when they start looking for websites or marketing, et cetera. Then when you get into the whole idea of online client attraction, we talked about five fundamentals, understanding the client buying process, mapping the stages of that buying process to your digital marketing efforts, developing the content you need to get found online. We gave an example, practical and actionable SEO advice that 
Jason really listed some good stuff out there. And then understanding where the website traffic comes from so you know what's working. All right, so now we're going to transition into our CE Hot Seat segment where I'm going to fire off a series of questions to Jason on his personal and professional development. Civil Engineering Podcast. Civil Engineering Podcast. All right, now it's time for our CE Hot Seat segment, and I'm excited to pepper Jason with some questions here. But before we do that, I want to mention our sponsor for today's episode, PPI. Engineers often ask me what exam prep materials or review courses they should use when preparing for the FE or PE exam. Hands down, I recommend PPI. I personally use PPI's materials to pass my exams, and I recently had a chance to demo their civil FE and PE review courses. It's why I feel confident recommending PPI for those of you planning to take the next step in your career. PPI is offering a special 20% discount to listeners of this podcast. Use promo code CIVIL at PPITopass.com. Again, that's PPI, the number two, pass.com, and use promo code CIVIL for a 20% discount. All right, Jason, you ready? Sure. Fire away. Are there any specific rituals that you practice every day? For example, do you have a specific morning ritual or lunchtime ritual, things that you do maybe consistently on a daily basis that contribute to being a successful professional? I mean, I would say on a daily basis, no. On a weekly basis, I would say yes, in that, you know, if you think about how we market and what we talked about today, we've made a, a mental commitment to an audience. And that is that we're going to produce useful content every single week and deliver it to their inbox every Tuesday. So that's a ritual, right? The ritual says that, you know, I've made a promise to people that are subscribing to our newsletter and we're going to deliver that every week. And even in the face, you know, of, now I will say we'll miss it sometimes, but there are times when, you know, I'm writing really late at night on a Monday to, to hold that commitment. Yeah, I think that's great. And I think what you can take away from that as an engineer kind of working your way up the ladder, so to speak, is that if you want to create this field of expertise or build this credibility for yourself, there's a lot of ways you can do it. You could write on your own blog, you can post on LinkedIn, you can publish posts. And I think having a consistency like this is so important because you may not be a content marketer, you're a civil engineer, but there's things that you know that would benefit your clients. So even if you say, you know what, I'm just going to start by publishing a post on LinkedIn once a month and go from there and see what happens. I'll work on my writing. It's going to help you to build your own resume, your own expertise. And then when your clients meet you at a project and they go connect with you on LinkedIn and they start looking at, wow, look at these posts Anthony's publishing. This is like bright guy. He knows kind of his stuff. But the point I'm getting at is consistency is what matters when you're trying to build that reputation. If you publish one post a year, it's not really going to turn any heads. Yeah, I think too, it's the act of disciplined writing just makes you smarter. To some extent, I joke, there are times when there's things that we publish that I think are truly insightful that really shape a point of view on a topic. There's times there are things that we publish that are really just more me working out loud. So I'm working out loud. I'm sharing with an audience what I'm thinking about right now. And the act of doing that just makes you physically smarter about topics over time. And so it's sort of that discipline and rigor. Yes, I mean, the question was that a daily ritual. It's sort of like more like a weekly ritual, but I think it's that, that weekly ritual of committing to producing something just makes me smarter about those topics and I think more deeply about them as a result. Yeah, I agree because I also have heard people say like, well, I don't think it's a good practice to have a weekly publish weekly content on the same day because that means you're just writing to write and to publish. But my response to that is exactly what Jason just said is 
when you write, you're thinking, basically. You're thinking through challenges. You're coming up with new ideas. Maybe not every single article is going to be something that someone's going to write home about, but even you thinking something through could be extremely beneficial to someone or just yourself and your team. So you're forcing yourself to go through these exercises that are going to maybe be change your career, change your business that you wouldn't do if you weren't writing or weren't thinking or weren't doing any content development. So that's just my kind of two cents on that. Jason, what is one book that you might recommend to people on a regular basis or just one book that you found to be extremely helpful in your professional or personal development? Well, I'll tell you one of my favorite books. There's a book called The Psychology of Persuasion. It's called Influence, The Psychology of Persuasion, written by a guy named Robert Cialdini. It's probably 25 years old. I actually think it's one of probably the most interesting kind of psychological-oriented marketing books that there is. I think the most important book right now is, is a book called Prosperity in the Age of Decline by Alan Bellew. It is a book you should be referencing on a daily basis, but it's probably one that you won't, but it's, it's definitely important reading. I just purchased the Cialdini's book on audio the other day. I'm, I'm going to give it a listen. I've heard a lot of good things about it. As far as uh, what I like about it is that he gives a bunch of things that you should do, supposedly lists out some specific items. And I don't know, for me as an analytical person, anytime things get framed out like that, it's kind of helpful for me. So he's really good at sort of taking like human truths. So psychological truths about kind of our behaviors that are quintessentially driven by our DNA, for lack of a better word, and then telling you how they apply to marketing, really marketing and communications. It's pretty fascinating stuff. All right. I've got one final question, Jason, and we call it the civil engineering career elevator advice question, which is if you got into an elevator with a civil engineer and had about 30 to 40 seconds with him or her, and you had to give him or her some kind of career building or business building advice in that short period of time, what would it be? Learn how to write. I have a belief, by the way, and it is that I've gone on record. I think I've been been published in a couple of books with this quote, which is, Senior partners write. And if you're not willing to write, you shouldn't be a senior partner. That's a really good one. And I know a lot of our listeners either are partners who probably write or are aspiring to be that. So that's a great piece of advice. And I always laughed when I used to ask people when I was in engineering school, I would say, oh, you know, what made you want to get an engineering degree? And they would say, well, I really don't like speaking or writing. And then like, at the time I was like, okay. And then once I got into, became a civil engineer and started going to town meetings and started doing all this stuff, I'm like, man, I remember those kids that said they didn't want to speak or write. They're probably having a really difficult time because it's pretty much a huge part of your job as an engineer, whether it's a technical report or whether you're giving a presentation on how to get a project approved. Jason, thank you so much for joining us today. I'm assuming that the best place for our listeners to probably get you is through rattleback.com, right? They can keep up with your writing there. Yeah. And there's subscription forms uh, tied to all of our blog content. And we, like I said, we deliver once a week. Yeah. He's got some really great stuff there. His uh, latest article there is Balancing Marketing and Business Development and Professional Services. I mentioned the one earlier about the bridge. So definitely check out Jason's stuff. Please remember that you could find the show notes again at civilengineeringpodcast.com. This will be episode number 53. You're going to find a summary of the key points discussed in today's episode, as well as links to any of the resources, websites, or books mentioned during the episode. You can leave a question in the comments section or visit the Ask Us tab on the website. We do monitor all the comments and we will respond if you leave us one. So Jason, thanks again so much for spending some time with us. Thanks, Anthony.
All right, until next time, I wish you the best in all of your civil engineering career endeavors. Thank you for listening to the Civil Engineering Podcast. Be sure to visit civilengineeringpodcast.com where you can listen to past episodes and also submit your project to be featured on the show. We also invite you to visit our main website at engineeringcareercoach.com and download a free three-part video series created specifically for engineers to help you best utilize LinkedIn for networking, improve your communication and speaking skills, and also help to develop your leadership abilities. Now is the time to engineer your own success.